Welcome to the Bethel Podcast. Thank you for taking time out of your day to spend time in God's Word. We hope that today's message blesses you and lifts you. Chapter 2 in your Bible. Genesis chapter 2. Shouldn't be hard to find. If you're in Revelation, flip it over. Go on the other side. If you're in Exodus, you're almost there. Keep going that way. We have talked last week, we just started a kind of a mini-series on families of faith. And so today, last week, if you remember, we talked about that older generation, how important they are to the kingdom of God, how important they are to families. And um, Colt was telling me today about, he was reading the book of Proverbs. He said, Dad, it's kind of like talking to your grandma. I mean, she just tells you, kind of tells you how it is. And so I appreciate the fact that he got that, but I appreciate a grandma who told him how it is. And so today I'd like to talk about young marriages, young married couples. And if you are in that category, if you've been there, uh, maybe you're going there. I just want to encourage you from the book of Genesis. It's the story, if we can start in the story of Adam and Eve, the first marriage that ever took place. They were also a young married couple in Genesis chapter 2. So that's our context today. But before we do, let's pray and ask for the Lord's help. Father, again, in the name of Jesus. What a privilege it is to come, privilege it is to open the pages of the Word of God, to, to have you speak to us, to have the Holy Spirit take a word and make it applicable to every single heart. And that's what we ask for, God. We know that you've prepared our soul of our souls to receive the Word, and, and we're going to be better for it because you're an awesome God. We love you. We ask it all in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Genesis chapter 2, beginning in verse number 18. How many would say this, that strong marriages make strong families? Strong families make strong cities. And strong cities make strong nations. So I think it's safe to say a strong marriage is a building block of all of this. And in Genesis chapter 2, as we read, verse number 18, it's where we'll begin. It's a young couple just starting out. And this is how it reads. And the Lord God said, it's not good that the man should be alone. I'll make him a helpmeet for him. And out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field, every fowl of the air, and brought them unto Adam to see what he would call them. And whatsoever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. And Adam gave names to all cattle and to the fowl of the air and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helpmate for him, a helpmeet for him. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept. He took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman and brought her unto the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, because she was taken out of man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother, and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and they were not ashamed. So what we see here is that the life was going just starting out for this young married couple. Adam was starting his new job in his line of work, and Eve was helping him out in all that she could do. She took care of the grounds of this expansive estate that they had they lived in. It was a wonderful time for a new couple. And let me say this starting off, that marriage is God's idea. 
Marriage is not from the heart of man. It's not something man came up with. It's something that God established, and he established it and designed it to be something that's really, really, really wonderful. It's not the ball and chain that the world makes it out to be. It's not that, oh, she's not the old lady and he's not the old man. The way God's designed it to be is to be something that he could perpetuate faith from generation to generation. Because the faith in mom and dad is then passed down to kids and then it's passed down to grandkids and on through the generations. And you and I are here today because somebody passed down that legacy of faith. Now, it's safe to say that when, when a marriage is healthy, it solves lots of problems in the world. I always look and I like to see those older married couples. You see them sometimes coming out of McDonald's and they're holding each other. They're holding hands, but I think they're holding each other. They'll hold each other up. And, and he's kind of grinning, and you can kind of see him kind of joshing with her, and she's smiling real big. And, and I just think, okay, that's where I want to be, and should the Lord tarry. And that's the goal. The purpose of our study is that to have healthy marriages because, as we said, healthy marriages make healthy nations. Now, there's just a couple of points I'd like to make um, from this particular passage. And... Um, I think you have to start with the fact that healthy marriages start with healthy dating. Strong marriages have strong dating as their, as their predecessor. And I know that there's not much talk about dating today, but, but godly dating leads to godly marriages. It does. Godly dating leads to godly marriages. There's a way that God has designed for us to date, to court one another. In other nations of the world, it's picked by the dad and the mom. I don't think that's such a bad idea. But in our culture, it's one where God brings two people together. They fall in love, and they get married. And when we look at Adam and Eve, it's safe to say that, that they had a godly courtship as well because Eve's dad approved of Adam, and Adam's dad approved of Eve. So let me tell you, for those of you who are dating, that the, what those that closest to you say about the person you're dating is a good starting place. What the people around you who love you and care about you are saying about the people, person that you're dating is a good place to start. If dad says, boy, I really like his work ethic. Mom says, oh, she's so sweet. If brother goes, boy, I like the way he serves in church. If sister thinks, oh, she's so precious, she's so crude. If grandma says, he reminds me of grandpa, can I tell you, you're heading in the right direction. So if you're dating... Present yourself in such a way that you're not just trying to win her, but you're trying to win their, her family as well. I know that God knows the heart. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. God looks at the heart, but people look on the outside. There's a story in the Bible of Isaac and Rebekah. It's a great story that goes along with what we're talking about today because Isaac's daddy was trying to find a wife for Isaac. And so he sent his servant to a particular city to find his wife, his, his daughter, a husband. And when, when he got there, the servant got there, he had taken 10, camel to, 10 camels loaded down with precious different goods and whatnot. And when he got there, there was a girl that came up and began to water the camels just out of the goodness of her heart. This particular girl, of course, you and I know is Rebecca, but if we know this, that camels is not the easiest thing in the world to water. Ten camels probably takes somewhere around 200 to 500 gallons of water. The Bible says that she did it by hand, so we know this, that it took her several hours to water all the camels. Listen, if she'll work like that, let me tell you, guys, that's a great place to start. 
I mean, I know she can't water you if you don't have camels to water, but if she can change the oil, hallelujah. And not only that, but then he gave her jewelry. After she did that, he gave her jewelry that was be worth something around $50,000 today. And so it goes without saying that strong dating is built on not just strong dating. It comes from strong marriages, but also that that strong dating is built on strong clues. God gives you clues, guys and girls. God gives you clues about that particular person. It's like, it's like there's red lights, there's yellow lights, and there's green lights. And sometimes the red lights are flashing. And just because you think he's cute and just because you think she's so wonderful, don't ignore the red lights. Sometimes the yellow lights are flashing. And just because he always says the right thing and her hair always looks perfect, sometimes you have to just to make sure you recognize the yellow lights as well. But there's also green lights. And those are the lights that God gives and the ones that he's saying, this is the one. This is the one. She's perfect for you. Your daddy even likes him. Hallelujah. If he's good to you in dating, he'll probably be good to you in marriage. If she's kind when you're dating, there may be a good chance she'll be the same way when you get married. If he has a temper in dating, that temper is probably going to transfer over in the marriage. If she acts crazy while you're dating, if he prays over the food while you're dating, if she serves in church, y'all are really having a whole lot more fun than I thought you would. I'm glad. If you catch her reading the Bible while you're dating, and if you think that once when you get married, they're going to change, my friend, let me tell you something, they're probably going to be disappointed. But the thing is, is God gives clues. And, and the thing is, is Rebecca, when she's going through this courting process, when she, as she gets done and she receives the gift from the servant, she runs home and begins to tell her family. And the first guy who shows up to see what happened is really true is her brother. Let me just tell you this, ladies. I'm going to tell you this, guys. If you can win over her brothers, you are really making headway. It's always said the saddest person I feel for, almost the saddest person I feel for of any person in life is the guy who comes over to ask Kaylin on a date. I feel bad for him. Because by the time her three brothers get done with him, I mean, I just want to pray for him. They, they, I mean, the dads are usually supposed to be the heavy, right? They're supposed to be the guy that's, you know, cleaning the gun or sharpening his knives. When the, I don't have to do any of that. I just got to sit there and watch them because I just feel sorry for the poor boy. But her brother, her brother Laban runs over to see what's happening, to see if it's true. And he realizes this. He realizes that this man really is come from a place that he's coming to court, court his daughter and has somebody for his daughter. And so the clues that we get from the people around us that care for us the most, don't ignore those clues just because you think they're outdated or they really don't know. Pay attention because God puts people in our paths, put people in our lives to help us make those decisions about something as far as dating. There's another area that I like to talk. We're going to get in marriage in just a minute, but I'd like to talk about dating. And I have a friend that's going to come explain it because there's science behind dating. Did you get that with me? Science and faith don't they're, they're not apart. They, they coexist. And so I have a friend that's going to come. It's my wife. Go ahead and come up here, honey. She, just, she heard a, a teaching this past week as far as um, relationships in dating, and I want her to share it with you. Okay. Um, this is a little awkward to talk about in mixed company. I do it all the time, but if you are not used to this kind of conversation, um, I'm sorry. But uh, we hear a lot about the bonding chemicals that happen when a man and a woman come together. Uh, a lot of the bonding chemical that you've probably heard the most about is oxytocin. 
Well, um, this doctor who spoke last week at the conference I was at that I got stuck at, I didn't get to come to church last week anyway, um, he says oxytocin is a bonding chemical mostly found in women. And the bonding chemical that is found in a man that draws a man to a woman, that a guy first goes, oh, she's cute, I want to go out with her, that first bonding chemical is called vasopressin. That's what's in a man. And it ha- your, your brain has receptors. And these receptors, if the woman holds the man off, teenagers, from having sex long enough for that vasopressin to connect to all those connectors in the brain, then the guy feels bonded to the girl. Then the guy begins to say, hey, this is my girl. Hey, I am in love with this girl. She's mine. He becomes protective. He becomes um, like a provider. He becomes what God intended. When a guy and a girl have Sex, and especially if it's too early, if that vasopressin in a man has not had a chance to connect to those receptors, when a girl has sex with a guy, she is flooded with oxytocin, which bonds her to that guy. When a guy has sex with a girl, he is flooded with testosterone and um, dopamine, and that floods and washes out the vasopressin. So now he's no longer bonded to her because the vasopressin has been washed out. So God's way of holding sex off until marriage is the right way. It helps you understand, especially this doctor that spoke to us was a, had been a college professor, especially in the college world. The um, when I, you know, he said I would have girls when I would teach this class would come up a line of girls, and the girls would say. My mom told me if I had sex with him, it would bond me to him. And she, he said, your mom was right. It bonded you to him. It did not bond him to you. Amen. So we see that science really bears out what God has said all the time. And he's designed the marriage, the, the relation, marriage relationship to be designed just for marriage. And it does cause problems. When, um, when it's not followed that way. But I just wanted you to have the science behind that, and she could tell it a whole lot better than I was, than I could. So thank you for sharing that. Do you understand that godly dating is part of, of godly marriages? Healthy dating leads to healthy marriages. Now let's talk about healthy marriages for just a beginning or a minute. If you look at verse number 21 in Genesis chapter 2, I'm going to read it to you again. The Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam. He slept. He took one of his ribs, closed up the flesh instead thereof, and the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman. He brought her to the man. Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of a man. See, in a healthy marriage, it begins by understanding that the person that God gave you was sent by God. The person that God gave you is a gift from Almighty God. Adam realized when he woke up that this was not just any ordinary person. See, the Bible says that God had made all the, all the animals from the, from the dust of the ground. But when he made this woman, all of a sudden, Adam was, this woman, Adam realized she's different than everybody else. This is somebody special that God's designed just for me. That's the person that you're married to. Let me tell you, young married couples, the person God gave you right next to you is a gift from him. They've been come to compliment you. They've been come to, to encourage you, to build you up, to walk this walk of journey of faith together. It's something wonderful. It's a helpmate. It's a soulmate. And God took Eve straight from the side of Adam and made him special. 
There's a joke that I have about Adam and Eve, but I'm going to skip that. Is that okay? Hang on, me back up. God made Adam. Adam's walking around one day and realized that he was lonely. So he asked God for a companion. And God said, I can make a woman for you. He said, she'll cook. She'll clean. She'll do everything you ask her to do. She'll wait on your hand and foot. She'll love you forever. She'll let you sit in the recliner whenever you want to. She won't nag you. She won't complain. She'll be so beautiful you won't be able to take your eyes off of her. And God said, it's going to cost you an arm and a leg. And Adam said, what can I get for a rib? So in other words, if God gave you a gift, treat them as a gift from God. Doesn't matter what age, what, what lot of life you're in. I love Brother Bob says this. Every time I see him and he sees me with Leanne, he always asks me, have you told her how beautiful she is today? And I always go, well, Brother Bob, I hadn't done it today. But I promise before the day's over, I'll do it. <laughs> but they're a gift from God. And Adam realized that. Secondly, I want to know something else. So something else. If you look at for chapter 3, because let me know this. Satan will attack your marriage. Because just as soon as this wonderful event, God had presented Eve to Adam in the next chapter, then the Bible says it just like this, and I'll read it to you. It says, now the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field. Let me tell you something very, very clearly. Someone is after your wife. Somebody's after your wife. And ladies, somebody's after your husband. And can I tell you who he is? He is known as none other than Satan or the devil himself. He has come to steal, to kill, and destroy. And what is he trying to do? To steal and kill and destroy the marriages, the godly marriages in this world. And I want you to think it's ironic that God put that in the next, next chapter because he wanted to know he's done it, and Satan's done lots today, much damage to, to marriages in, uh, in the kingdom of God. Now, you're going to have arguments, and you're going to have debates, and you're going to have disagreements, and you're going to have intense fellowship. And not all that's going to be an attack of the enemy, but some of it just might be. There's going to come times when you're arguing and you're debating and you don't even have a clue while you're arguing or debating. There are times when you need to back up and go, wait a minute, I don't know why I just feel this way or because let me tell you, the enemy has the unique ability to be able to whisper lies into people's ears because he's the father of lies and lots of time he does that to young married couples. He does that to all married couples. And so to understand that he's going to, that, to be aware of, of his strategies and his devices, his wisdom on the part of married couples. I've noticed something when I pray in 26 years of praying with Leanne, almost without fail, every time we grab together hands and begin to pray, I sense the presence of God. I don't know why that is. Maybe it's because it's so important to God, the, the union that he put together, he joined together. It's so precious to God and so wonderful to God. Let me encourage you. Young married couples to pray with your spouse. Get in the habit now at, at one year and three years and five years, and that way when it's 50 and 55 years, you'll still have that habit of praying one with another. Don't just pray with your spouse. Also pray for your spouse. The prayers, the prayers of mamas over children are legendary. The prayers that daddies pray for their kids are legendary, but there's something about the prayers that husbands pray for wives and wives pray for, for husbands that I think are the same thing. 
There's power in those because there's somebody that you love so deeply, that you have so much invested in, that you care for so strongly. Pray with your family. Pray with your wives and pray with your husbands. There's an enemy on the loose. I, I, I see what Satan did in this particular passage in verse number 4. He brought confusion in their conversation. Sometimes the enemy will bring confusion in the conversation between two, two, uh, two a husband and a wife. The serpent said to the woman, you shall not surely die. God doth know that in the day you eat thereof, then your eyes shall be open and you shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. So here's the thing. God told Adam, don't eat of that tree. Satan told Eve, you can eat of that tree. And we got a breakdown between Adam and Eve and who said what. So I wonder if Adam and Eve had come together and said, let's talk about this first before you eat that fruit. God said this, that serpent said this, we need to decide what we're going to do. And there was a breakdown in conversation. They never got together and discussed it. They never got together and decided this is what we need to make a, a decision. And let me tell you something. I know it sounds cliche, but communication is key in a marriage. Speaking the same language. Being in agreement. Does that mean that we all agree, always all agree? No, but it does mean that we do have the, the, the unique design and ability to communicate and come to some type of a resolution. Adam went to Eve. He said, uh, how could God make you so beautiful and then yet make you so stupid? Eve thought about it a minute, and she said, well, God made me beautiful so you'd be attracted to me, and God made me stupid so I'd be attracted to you. <laughs> when we stop talking in marriage, it's going to invite problems. When we stop talking in, in our relationship, it's going to cause problems. But when we keep talking in marriage, it's going to invite peace. Sometimes you just got to talk it out. I like to call it tea time. Sometimes you just got to get you a glass of tea, a real big one, and just sit there and talk it out and listen and let God bring you together. The Bible says, how can two walk together unless they agree? Sometimes it takes a while for that to happen, but it's worth the conversation. It's worth the battle. It's worth the fight. Genesis 4.1. It's interesting to me that even after this rift, now you think about this in your marriage, what would happen if you caused the fall of all of humanity from your marriage? You think you've got problems. It's interesting to me what happens because in all this that, that takes place. I mean, can you imagine the next day after the fact? You know she let him have it. How could you let me do that? You know he let her have it. I told you not to eat a veg. You understand the conversation between a husband and wife the next day was probably pretty tough. But I like what the Bible says. In Genesis chapter 4, after all that took place, in the next chapter, chapter 4, it says this, Adam knew his wife. I don't think I have to give you the, the breakdown of what that particular means, but it does mean that they came back together again. Had an old preacher tell me one time, the secret to a happy marriage is when you got two good forgivers in the marriage. Two people that are quick to forgive and to offer forgiveness one to another. I think it's true, and I think it's interesting that, that Adam and Eve did the same thing, that they came back together even in lack of that particular battle, that particular fight. Healthy marriages learn how to fight together, not each other. Healthy marriages learn how to fight together, not each other. In other words, let's save our bullets for the devil. Save our bullets for the enemy and not for the person next to us. 
Verse 2 of chapter 4, And she again bears brother Abel, and Abel was a keeper of the sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. So here's Adam and Zevite. They start up here, and then they have this little thing, and they get back up here, and then the next chapter is with Cain and Abel. Young people, young couples, your kids will cause you trouble in your home maybe like nothing else. It adds another layer of, of whatever that's called. You know what it is. That's what they do. I love my kids. I have four of them. I love them so much, but I have never so much wanted to push somebody down the stairs as when I see those kids. Just edit that part out, Mike. They are a source of the greatest joy in the world, but they can tax a marriage. Outside of God, but remember this, married couples, that when God designed and instituted humanity, he put the relationship between God and man first, and the second relationship was the one between husband and wife. The third one was between a parent and child. So in the pecking order of where your marriage stacks up in your home, it's a relationship right under the relationship between you and God. What happens is when those kids' relationship gets between mom and dad, it doesn't ever work out right. So keep that relationship alive and well. Keep that flame burning between the married couples in a home. Some of the greatest blessings that you'll ever see in your life is coming from that marriage relationship. I'm on a mission in my life because I think the greatest thing that God did outside of saving me and you and filling us with the Holy Ghost was giving us somebody to care about and giving you a spouse to love on. And I think it's a wonderful thing. I think it's a great thing, but I don't think it's something that's supposed to design to be like the world says it's supposed to be. The world says it's supposed to be just be, if you don't like this one, go get you another one. This one doesn't work out, find you another one. Get you one, get you two. If that doesn't work, you know, find something else. But I'm here to tell you that the way God designed it is a wonderful thing. And if you're a young married couple today, if you're a married couple today, I want you to be encouraged. Because sometimes we think, I don't know how I'm ever going to live the rest of my life with him. Oh, don't get me wrong, because sometimes he's thinking the same thing about you. I don't know how I'm going to live the rest of my life with her. Because when we were dating, everything was wonderful. Her hair was perfect every time. He always smelled nice every time. And then we got married, and he doesn't smell nice all the time, and her hair isn't always fixed. But God's right in the middle of a marriage relationship. And lastly today, in a healthy marriage, some of the best days are the latter days. Some of the best days, for those of you on the front side of this and you're thinking, how am I going to live the rest of my life with this person? Some of the greatest blessings in your life are going to come in the latter days. I like what it says about Adam. It says this, he lived 930 years. 930 years. He lived almost an entire, it's a thousand years, millennium. Can you imagine the joy that he had in the latter years of his life? Watching the generations of families that come up through Adam and Eve. Can you imagine watching his grandkids? Let's see, 930 years. He probably had some great, 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 grandkids. Can you imagine the joy he had in all those years of watching God work? We get about 80 years, maybe 70 years. Can you imagine seeing the faithfulness of God, not just through your life, but through the generations and generations after you? 
And there's some things, listen to me, young married couples, there's some things that are going to happen in the latter years of your marriage that are going to be such a wonderful time, such a joy to see. And so the thing is, is you got to get through this part to get to it. So don't give up. Don't quit. Don't get discouraged. Don't think, is this the best it's going to be? I'm, I am here to tell you, and there's some others that are here to tell you as well, that it gets better and better and better and better and better. The way God's designed it. Now, the way the world's designed it is to get worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. But the godly marriage, the one that's built upon Christ, the one that has Christ as the center and realizes that we can't make it apart from God because to love somebody is to love God. Because God is love. But it just gets better and better and better and better and bigger, better. I think as we look today and we talk about marriage and we see Adam and Eve, we realize that there was a, some trouble that came out of kids. And as you see that they came out of the, that right there, and then, and then it goes back after her kids, they came together again. And then at the end of their life, they had such a, it was such a wonderful time. Adam, is believed, died before the flood. So we never got to see the tragedy of the flood. And I keep thinking, what did it look like? There's so much that the Bible doesn't tell us about Adam and Eve. It never tells us how Eve died. It tells us that Adam died at the age he died, but it doesn't tell us you know, what happened. But I wonder if there was a time in their life where they were sitting out on the front porch in a swing. And, and I guess at their family reunion, it was probably, I mean, it was probably like the whole nation came out. But I wonder if they're sitting there rocking on that swing, seeing the faithfulness of God from generation to generation, and sitting there and, and thanking God for all that he had done in his faithfulness. And, and here's what we want for every marriage, but especially you young married couples. Should the Lord tarry, we want you one day to be sitting in that front porch swing, rocking back and forth, and you've got your family of faith, your kids, grandkids, friends, neighbors, relatives there, and you get to sit there and thank God for all the wonderful things he's done through your married life. That's our goal for you. That's God's goal for you. So I want to encourage you to, no matter where you're at in this little this, this journey of faith, no matter where you're at in your marriage, I want you to know something. God's got something wonderful for you, something great for you. Right now, he ticks you off, not God, your husband. Right now, she makes you mad. Right now, you're at that stage where it just seems like it, that everything is frustrating, but I want you to know this. God's working something out. He works to all things together for good to those who love Him. And when you love the Lord and you put Him in the center of your marriage, good things happen. Thank you for listening to today's message. We pray that it challenges you to dig deeper into the Word of God and grows your faith. If you would like to reach out to us, please visit our website at www.mybethel.net. Thank you.